tremendous song. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, if you have a Bible with you this morning. And uh, again, this is a tremendous Sunday morning crowd. And uh, this is the first Sunday of February uh, 2019. And uh, the month of January just flew right by us, did it not? And uh, we're looking forward to what the Lord has for us. By the way, uh, this is Love in Action Month, and we'll say a lot more about it uh, in the uh, weeks to come. We are uh, a little bit late getting started on it this, uh, this uh, year, but uh, normally we have made some pulpit announcements about it. But we begin collecting uh, prepackaged snacks and, and uh, goodies and so forth, uh, um, and uh, cases of bottled waters. And uh, we like to take a few weeks at the, in, during the month of February and into March. Uh, to be a blessing to certain uh, groups here in the neighborhood. Just, uh, you know, the Bible talks about God commendeth his love toward us. And, uh, you know, we love people, and we want to show that love for people in a tangible way. And uh, so we put together gift baskets and so forth and take them to different groups throughout the community. And uh, in those baskets, we put gospel tracts and so forth. And, and uh, I can't tell you, <clears throat> several times I have... Knocked on someone's door and introduced myself as a pastor of Lake Chris Baptist Church. And, the, and I've had people say, you know what, uh, 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 there was a gift basket uh, at the place where I work, in the break room, and it was from your church. And uh, it was a wonderful inroad to the gospel. And, and uh, where love is felt, the message is heard. And that's really the whole premise behind Love in Action Month. And so if you can help us by bringing prepackaged uh, uh, crackers or candies or whatever, um, you know, 24, uh, packs of uh, 24 cases of water and so forth, uh, bottled waters, uh, that would be such a help and a blessing. And, and uh, you can do that tonight, Wednesday, next Sunday, whatever. Bring it by the office during the week. Uh, and we'll use that to be a blessing to others throughout the community. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you'll stand with me, please, for the reading of God. God's Word, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll begin reading in verse number 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and beginning with verse number 9. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing to the church at Corinth, said, For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. I want to lift those first five words or so out of verse number 10. Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. But by the grace of God. Of God. The message this morning simply is this, by the grace of God. And shall we pray? Our Father, we ask you this morning to help me to be a help. <clears throat> Father, there's, uh, there's nothing like grace. And Father, we thank you for the grace that saved all of us. The Bible tells us very clearly, by grace you're saved. Not by works of righteousness, but grace. Father, it's by grace we're able to live for you. It's by grace we're able to serve you. It's by grace we're sustained on a daily basis. Father, we're so thankful. We want to just put the magnifying glass this morning for a few minutes on the wonderful grace of God. And I pray that you'd help us as we do so today in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The hymn that we all recognize as perhaps the most famous of all hymns, is amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas blind, but now I see. It was written by a man named John Newton. John Newton described himself, and by the way, John Newton lived in the late 1700s. I believe he went to heaven in the early part of the 19th century, the 1805, 1807, somewhere along in there. But it was John Newton who described himself as, quote, an infidel slave trader. John Newton. I'm talking about, if you look in your hymn book, don't do it now, but uh, if you look in your hymn book, I believe it's 243, Amazing Grace, how, 244, Amazing Grace, how sweet. That was written by John Newton, this same character we're talking about. He described himself as an infidel slave trader. At one point in John Newton's life, after he had been abused and humiliated, John Newton contemplated murder and then suicide. He was on a ship, and he tells in his own words how he, he's, he was so despondent, he was so much in despair that he thought to kill someone who had abused him and mistreated him terribly, humiliated him. And then he said, my life is not worth living anyway, so I think I'll just end it by jumping overboard into the Atlantic Ocean. That was his contemplation. John Newton was not a likely candidate to be saved, but one day he cried out to Jesus for salvation, and it was after his salvation experience that he wrote the words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You see, the conversion of John Newton is a wonderful testimony of the grace of God. The Apostle Paul, here in the story, the passage that we just read in 1 Corinthians 15, he was quick to testify of the grace of God in his life. You see, if John Newton would describe himself as an infidel, if John Newton would describe himself as someone who was far from God, how much more would you say Saul of Tarsus was away from God? Paul understood that he was saved by grace. He understood that he was, that he was able to serve the Lord by grace. He realized that he was sustained by grace. And as a child of God, we rest on these same truths that Paul leaned upon. And may I say this morning, by way of introduction, all of us, regardless of our background, can echo the same five-word testimony. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. I don't care who you are, or how long you've been saved, or how good a background you have, or how poor a background you have. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter how, how long your family's been a part of this church or some other church. None of that matters because all of us are saved by the grace of God. By the grace of God. And by the way, <clears throat> it, can, it can be either of grace or by works, but it can't be both. And the Bible says it's not by works. It's not by works. Hey, if it's even a little bit of works, there's no grace involved. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, not even a few works, lest any man should boast. I've, heard, I've talked to people <clears throat> about salvation, and they'll say, Well, you know, Pastor, yeah, that salvation is good, and I do need some of the grace of God, but I'm a pretty good person. What they're saying is, it's, it's a little bit about me. It's none about you. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Look, it's all of grace. Salvation's all of grace. And let's take a look at it this morning. I want you to see Paul's testimony of the grace of God. Number one, Paul was formed by grace. 
Paul was formed <clears throat> by grace. <clears throat> he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul was not always known as Paul. Now, we, th we, uh, we think about the great apostle Paul, and the first thing that comes to my mind, wonderful missionary. First thing that comes to my mind, soul winner. First thing that comes to my mind, he uh, uh, three or four missionary journeys all around the, the known world at that time. And the great Apostle Paul, who uh, was used by the Holy Spirit to pen at least 13 books of your New Testament. That's, that's the Apostle Paul that I think about. But wait a minute, it wasn't always like that. That's not always the testimony of Paul. You see, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was Saul the blasphemer. He was Saul, the persecutor of Christians. He was Saul, the murderer. He was Saul, the Christ rejecter. He was Saul, the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was Saul, the one who caused havoc in the churches. And listen to what Paul said about himself in verse number 9 of the passage we just read. He said, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul never forgot where he came from. He never forgot where he came from. By the way, that's a very important point as we go through this today. He never lost sight of what he used to be. Oh, to everybody in those churches that Paul was used to start, it was, hey, Brother Paul, put her there. How you doing? Hey, Brother Paul, uh, 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 you know, uh, where, where, where have you been? And what? Uh, tell me about your journeys and tell me about the souls that have been saved and tell me about the crusades and tell me about the, the, uh, the churches that you've planted and tell me about this and tell me about that. And I'm sure Paul was wonderful to give testimony of how God had worked in his travels and in his journeys and so forth. But Paul also remembered when he was Saul of Tarsus. He remembered the faces of those Christians that were persecuted by his hands. He remembered the cries of children as their father and mother were taken out of their home because of their faith and their stand for Christ and the fact that they would not deny their faith in Christ, and he was responsible for it. I'm sure he remembered the day when he stood and held the coats, the jackets of those men who uh, picked up the, the, uh, the, the, the massive stones and hurled them at one of those first godly deacons in the church, a man by the name of Stephen. And he was there and saw Stephen as he looked up to heaven and he cried out to God. And, uh, and, and there, was that, there was that glow about him. There was that, that impact that Stephen in his testimony, in his dying breath, had on the apostle, on Saul of Tarsus. He remembered that. He remembered that. May I say this morning, none of us need forget where we came from. You say, preacher, my testimony is pretty good. And that's wonderful. You say, preacher, my testimony is I was born and raised in church. That's my testimony, by the way. We, uh, we, we think about uh, this newest little one, this newest addition to the Framling family, and, and uh, Lord willing, he's going to be brought up in church, and that's a wonderful testimony. That's a great testimony, but let me just remind all of us, it's all by grace. It's all by grace. You see, my testimony is I was born on a Tuesday and the following Sunday I was in church. God delivered me at a very early age from sucking my thumb. Deep sin, deep, deep sin. But you know what? It took every bit as much of the grace of God to save Kevin Dale, who grew up in church, as it took to save anybody else. Anybody else. Because, hey, <clears throat> being born in the church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being, being born in a garage makes you a car. It doesn't work that way. 
No, sir. You've got to be born into God's family. You've got to be born by the good grace of God, by faith in Christ. Hey, that's the only way of salvation. And, and we, need not, we need not get big-headed because of our background. And by the way, we need not be discouraged by our background. There's a lot of folks who say, well, you know, what could, could God save a wretch like me? He saved John Newton. Could God save a wretch like me? Does God have enough grace to save a wretch like me? He saved the apostle. He saved Saul of Tarsus. Made him into the apostle Paul. Sure he can. But Paul was formed by grace. He understood where he came from and he recognized the transformation in his life. And by the way, salvation is nothing less than a transformation. You know, you can try to reform all you want to. You can try to fix up the outside all you want to. Salvation does not start on the outside and work its way in. Salvation starts on the inside. Salvation happens on the inside. God, hey, you let God uh, come into your heart. You, let, you, let, uh, you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, and, uh, and there's that transformation that takes place. If any man be in Christ, the Bible says he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You, a man may try to take credit for reformation, but only God can take credit for a transformation. You can try to clean up, all, clean up the outside all you want to, and that's admirable. But the real change must come on the inside, my friend. The real change has to start in here. Hey, that's where the problem lies. It's a sin problem. You know, look, we can try to, uh, you know, we uh, uh, thank God for all the programs of, and, uh, you know, you know where, where people are trying to help the down and out in society. And that's wonderful. That, I'm, not, I'm not against that at all. And, and folks are trying to clean up our culture and clean up different neighborhoods and societies and try to uh, uh, clean up the gang problem and the drug problem. Hey, I got the cure for the gang problem. It's Jesus. The Bible cure for the drug problem in America. It's Jesus. The cure for the, the, the problems that ail our families and our homes and our societies, it's not a program, it's a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And it's not about reformation, my friend, it's about transformation, and that only comes through God. You can take a pig out of the hog pen. Any hog farmers in here? No? Okay. You can take a pig out of the hog pen. Hog pens are nasty, and you might expect that. Down south, you can drive down a country road, and it's probably true up here as well, <clears throat> and you can be miles and miles away from a hog farm, but if the wind's blowing in just the right direction, and you happen to cross paths into that breeze, amen? <laughs> you with me, Brother Sean? Oh, it's refreshing. <laughs> Kirby Campbell's preached here several times, and he's got, a, he's got a sick mind. He thinks that skunks smell good. He's, he's deranged. And uh, every time I see a skunk or I smell a skunk, I'll send him a text and, and I'll say, Brother Kirby, just thinking about you, I smelled a skunk. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he said, and he'll send something back to the effect of sweet incense from heaven or something like that. I'm telling you, he's a sick man. <clears throat> but, um, but anyway, you take a hog or a pig out of the hog pen and you can do all you want to to clean up that pig. You can spray him down. You can power wash him if you want to. You can put perfume on him if you want to. You can, uh, uh, you can give him a bath. Hey, you can brush his teeth. I don't recommend it, but you can do that. You can put a bow in his tail. Hey, you can put him in a sanitary, pristine, clean environment. But let me tell you something. You know what you're going to have? A pig. A pig. 
You see, God transforms a man from the inside. Hey, you can clean up somebody's outside behavior all you want to, but until the Holy Ghost of God comes inside to live in a man that happens only at salvation, it's only going to get so good. God says, let me, you let me have you on the inside. And then you see somebody start to grow in grace, Brother Dave. You see somebody take those steps of spiritual growth. And it's amazing how when someone gives their heart to Jesus Christ and there's that, there's that new creature born in Christ on the inside of him, it's amazing how when he, when he yields himself to the Lord, how God cleans him up on the outside. Only God can do that. The grace of God takes a worthless sinner and makes him worthy. Saul, the cruel persecutor, became Saul, uh, Paul, the compassionate servant. Saul, the Christ-rejecting blasphemer, became church-planting missionary. Preacher, how does that happen? You can't explain it outside the grace of God. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And whoever you are this morning, it's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. Mankind tends to want to take credit for that which only God can take credit for. It's our pride. It's our pride. But we need to be reminded this morning, it's by the grace of God. Billy Sunday said, the law shows me how crooked I am, and God's grace strengthens me, straightens me out, rather. The law, I look at the Word of God, I look at the Old Testament law, I look at the laws of God, I look at the Ten Commandments, and, and I look at that, the mirror of God's Word, it shows me how crooked I am. But when I give my heart and my life to God and, and, and yield my members to Him, He straightens me out. That, my friend, is what grace is all about. Grace is not a license to do what you want to do. Grace is the authority to do what you ought to do. That's the grace of God. And that's the effect of the grace of God. If you have a testimony of salvation, meaning you know you're saved, you are what you are because of grace. Salvation is all of grace or it's not salvation. Now, <clears throat> preacher, what exactly is grace? Let me give you a quick definition. Grace is unmerited favor from a holy God. That's what grace is. Grace is unmerited, undeserved merit, undeserved goodness, undeserved kindness, from a holy, righteous God who has every right to be angry with me. <laughs> he does. God in His holiness, God in His righteousness has every right to be at odds or at enmity with me because I'm a wicked, filthy, putrid, disgusting, low-down, filthy, rotten sinner. That's what I am. And that's what you are. We're humans. We're all of sin and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But grace is unmerited favor from a holy God. Anyone who thinks they are deserving of salvation is about as far away from salvation as you can get. You say, preacher, I'll have you know I'm a good person. Ah, you know, you're not the first base when this whole salvation thing yet. <laughs> I'll have you know <clears throat> I'm a righteous person. The Bible says all of my righteousness is as filthy rags. In the sight of a holy God. Listen, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. By grace, my work could only impress God. My intellect doesn't impress God. My religion means nothing to Him. No, it's by grace. It's by grace, unmerited, undeserving favor from a holy God. I'm saved by grace, I'm kept by grace. <laughs> I want to point out something. Paul never lost sight of the fact that God's grace made the difference in his life. God's grace made the difference. I want you to see something else. Number two, we said, first of all, Paul was formed by grace. Number two, Paul functioned by grace. 
Paul functioned by grace. His daily life was all about grace. It wasn't just, I'm saved by grace, and now I'm on my own to do my own thing, and I, I, got, this, uh, I got this life uh, under control. No, that's, that wasn't his attitude at all. He said in Galatians chapter 2, and verse number 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The grace that saved Paul was the grace that allowed Paul to serve the Lord. You see, not only is God's grace adequate and sufficient for saving us, for keeping us out of hell, but it's the grace of God that allows us to serve Him. Why in the world would God allow sinful man to serve Him? You ever think about that? In the book of Psalms, the Bible says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. You think about the awesomeness, if that's a word. <laughs> you think about how incredible and amazing God is. We can't even wrap our minds around the least of his works and how much he wants us to serve him. You say, you say Pastor, I'm not worthy to serve God. Newsflash, no one's worthy to serve God. I'm not worthy. Hey, Paul said right here in verse number 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let me read it again for you. He said, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He said, Look, you're talking about the lowest of the low as far as man's estimation is concerned. Why would God even want to use me? But he does. He does. I don't care who you are this morning. <clears throat> I don't care uh, what your background is. There's a God in heaven who not only wants to save you by his grace, but he wants to sustain you and let you serve him by his grace. Paul functioned by grace. You know, we get ourselves in trouble when we start to judge our own worthiness in comparison to others. The Bible says, though that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. I'm not to judge my worthiness to be used based on someone else's standard. God is the standard. He's the standard. He's the one. He's the one I'm serving. And you may, you may come into this church and you say, well, you pastor, I'm, I'm a relatively new member and, and I'm really not involved. I come here on Sunday mornings only pretty much and, and uh, I'd like to be involved, but I just don't know what to do. I don't even know that I'm worthy to, to serve. Look, forget all that. None of us are worthy to serve. None of us are. But it's by the good grace of God. God allows me in his goodness and by his grace and in his mercy, God allows us to serve. God allows us to be a spokesperson on this earth. God allows us. Hey, you say, uh, uh, preacher, man, I, I'm just in awe of our choir. And thank God for the wonderful job our choir does. And I appreciate Brother Dave and his leadership with that. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing. <clears throat> you say, well, are they worthy to sing? No. And neither am I. <laughs> Look. When, when we look at our worthiness, our worthiness is in comparison to God's holiness, and we're never going to measure up, but it's by grace that makes up the difference there. Anybody who stands there and preaches and says, I'm worthy to do this, doesn't have a right to be there. Anyone who stands here and sings and says, I have a right to sing, no, no, it's because of His grace. Anyone who stands there and says, uh, I am somebody because, uh, because of my value and my worth and my ability and, uh, and my life, no, no, it's by grace by grace what i'm trying to tell you is we're all just a bunch of sinners that's all any of us are 
Dr. John Rice, he's been in heaven now since 1980. He used to to weep behind the pulpit, and he'd say something like this, I feel so sorry for God. I feel so sorry for God. Dr. John, why do you feel sorry for God? Because all he has to work with is sinners. All he has to work, that's true. All God has to work with is sinners. Now, I'm not here, I'm not here to excuse anyone's sin, but I am here to promote the grace of God. And by the way, when you get a good dose and a good realization of the good grace of God, it'll change you. It'll change your want to's. This, uh, this nonsense that says that God's grace gives us a license to do whatever we want to do, you won't find that in the pages of that book right there. I promise you that. You'll not find it there. No, when we get a good grace, a good dose of the grace of God, he, look, he changes our want to and there's, there's a desire to please him. And that book is not rigid and it's not, uh, it's not something that we, oh, I got to do this because God says I got to do. No, no, no. It's how can I please him? How can I please him? Why? Because of his grace. His grace lets me serve him. His grace lets me uh, pass out gospel tracts. His grace lets me do good deeds to others. His grace allows me to do good to my fellow man. His grace allows me uh, to, 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 to live a holy, separated life. It's by his grace. Paul was formed by grace. Paul functioned by grace. There's not one soloist or Sunday school teacher or bus driver or, or uh, uh, hey, none of us are worthy. It's by his grace. We serve him by his grace. In Psalm 130, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You need not turn to it. Psalm 130, verse number 3. The psalmist said, If thou, O Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? What did he say? Lord, if you were to keep track, if you were to mark iniquities, if you would hold my sins against me, God, I'm in trouble. That's what he's saying. Lord, if you hold my sin record against me, I'm in, a, I'm in a heap of trouble. God, I'm not worthy to do anything for you. Truth is, none of us can stand if God holds our sin account against us. But let me tell you something. The day that I got saved, my sins, the Bible says, were put as far as the east is from the west. Now think about that for a minute. The Bible says that they're in the depths of the deepest sea. And that God has put them from his memory. It's called divine amnesia. Now, I know a lot about amnesia. And all you husbands in here, you know about amnesia. It's called selective memory. (laughs) Selective memory. You remember what you want to remember. You know it's true, fellas. You do. Uh, You know what? God has chosen to forget my sins. He doesn't hold them against me. You say, preacher, how how can I serve a holy God? By his grace. By his grace. Paul was functioned, I'm sorry, he was formed by grace. He functioned by grace. Hey, Paul was fortified by grace. He was strengthened by grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, some of the greatest men in the Bible, we're guilty of putting them on a pedestal. You know, they were just flesh. You know, Moses, he was a man. David, man after God's own heart, but let's not forget, he was a man. And his humanity shone through time after time after time after time. Daniel, 
Sure, great man, wonderful example, but he was a man. You look at the, the, uh, the, the 12 apostles, you take away Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Christ, and you look at the other 11, and, and, and their humanity shown through time after time after time. Sometimes we're guilty of putting those men on a pedestal, but the reality is they were, they were fortified, they were strengthened, they were made capable by the grace of God. They weren't special in the sense of any more special than you are. They were flesh. You, <clears throat> they had the same struggles. They had the same weaknesses. They had the same humanity that we deal with. So how were they able to do what they did for the Lord? I'll tell you how. They were strengthened by God's grace. They were strengthened by God's grace. Don't miss this. Paul was fortified by grace. You see, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians that Paul had what he termed a thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh. He said it was the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Now, that word buffet, we have translated that buffet on occasion, but in this, in this case, it's buffet as in to, to beat him up, okay? He said, this thorn in the flesh was sent as a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to beat me up, if you will, to give me a hard time, if you will. Now, the Bible doesn't, isn't specific about what was Paul's thorn in the flesh. Uh, some Bible scholars think there was, a, uh, there, there was a, a problem with his vision. In one of his letters, he says, you see how, how large a letter I write to you? And other, there, there are other uh, uh, hypotheses and, and uh, guessings as to what would be Paul's thorn in the flesh, but that specifically doesn't matter. But what does matter is Paul went to God three times and said, God, would you take away my thorn? Would you take away this thorn in the flesh? And he, maybe he said something like this, God, I could serve you better if I didn't have to deal with this thorn. Father, if you would take away this physical uh, this physical uh, burden that I have, I could serve you better. And by the way, that's how we all think. We all think that way. When sickness comes or heartache comes or, or the pressures of life come, we go to God and say, God, now look, if you would just get rid of this obstacle in my life, I think I'd be better off. I think I could serve you more efficiently. That's how we think. But notice what God's answer to Paul was. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. What was he saying? <clears throat> Paul said, look, I went to God and said, God, would you take it away? God said, no. He said, but I'll give you the grace to go through it. I'm not going to take away your burden, Paul. I'm not going to take away your sickness, Paul. I'm not going to take away your, uh, the, the problem with your vision, Paul. I'm not going to take away that thorn in the flesh that you see as a messenger from Satan to buffet you. He said, I'm going to give you the grace to go through the problem, not to avoid the problem. Paul was fortified by grace. Just a few minutes ago, I read the names of four different families in our church who are going through struggles as far as the loss of a loved one. The loss of a loved one. It's heartbreaking. I mentioned it yesterday at the funeral. As, as, as joyful and as happy we are when, when for, for, for those who are deceased because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and they will not trade places with any of us for anything in the world. But wait a minute. We suffer the loss of their presence. We suffer the loss of their fellowship. We suffer the loss, the, the glory of their presence at the dinner table. We suffer the, 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 the loss of, uh, of everything that they meant to us. And there's that separation, and it's hard, and it's painful. But understand something. God gives grace. God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. You say, preacher, can you explain grace? Nope. <laughs> Not even going to try. 
Can you put grace in some kind of a, a terms where we can understand it? No, just know this. It's there when you need it. God gives grace right on time. His grace is never a day early and it's never a day late. It is right there exactly how much you need at exactly the time that you need it. And every one of us could give testimony in our lives as to instances when that was true for us personally. Paul said, I was fortified by his grace. God gave me the help that I need. Hey, he was strengthened by God's grace. He was aware of his weakness, and that awareness brought to him a, 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 a brought him to a place of humility where he said, God, I can't make it by myself. And God sees that humble spirit, and he says, okay, by the way, God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. When we get to the point where we understand we can't make it on our own strength and our own power and our own flesh, God says, here's some grace for you just in time just in time and i want you to see the last thing i said first of all paul was formed by grace paul was fortified by grace paul functioned by grace and the last thing is paul finished by grace paul finished by grace that famous passage in second timothy chapter 4 verse number 7 he said i fought a good fight i finished my course i've kept the faith how'd you do it paul how'd you do it paul Boy, what a, what a wonderful example of Christian service. What a wonderful missionary. What a great soul winner. What a great church planner you are. Paul, you're to be commended. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not to be commended. It's by grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. If you could put a microphone in front of the Apostle Paul on the streets of glory this morning and beam that audio signal back to earth for him to say it to the whole church congregation, if you could say, Paul, tell us how you did it. Tell us how you got through it all. Tell us how you made it through the shipwrecks. Tell us how you made it through the imprisonments. Tell us how you made it through the stonings. Tell us how you made it through the lonely nights. Tell us how you made it through all the troubles and all of the, 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 the hard times. And he'll say, it wasn't me. He'd say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And may I say to you, all of us, that's our testimony. We're nothing. Who do we think we are? We're flesh. We're flesh. Hey, if God uses us, hey, it's not because of who we are. It's in spite of who we are. Just like God's saving me. God doesn't save me. He didn't save me because of who I am. He saved me because of what Jesus did for me. And all I did is put my faith in Christ. That's all. How are we sustained through the tough times? The grace of God. By his grace, I am what I am. Let's rejoice in his grace this morning. Hey, let's allow the grace of God to provoke us to want to please God. Look, our attitude toward grace is not or should not be, oh good, now that God's grace is sufficient for me, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, and I don't have to give an account for it. My friend, you've got the wrong idea of grace. That's not it at all. No, God's grace, when we get a good grasp of it, will provoke us to want to please the Lord from whom it was given. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.